everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Guys, we are getting very close. Uh, you'll be hearing this on Friday morning, six days until opening day. Uh, excitement is just absolutely peaking right now. We are getting there. Uh, you know, still some decisions to be made, par for the course this time of year. But, uh, you know, things are kind of coming into focus. Positional battles, well, more like bench battles, uh, bullpen spots and little shuffles and shuffling and dealing as we close out camp and get ready to head north. You know, it's uh, it's common. It's commonplace for this time of year. It's the wonders of springtime. So on Wednesday, uh, Luis Rojas kind of got the ball rolling. Um, they sent down Jordan Yamamoto and Corey Oswalt to triple A, which maybe wasn't necessarily expected. Um, Yamamoto's done very well this spring. Uh, one earned run over 8.1 innings of work, five strikeouts, four walks. Corey Oswalt, uh, six earned runs on over 8.2 innings, but uh, has really looked better as camp has worn on. Luis Rojas has been kind of speaking his praises all camp, uh, all through camp, I should say. Um, you know, with... Carrasco and, of course, Syndergaard out for a while. You know, the Mets have options. You know, we've seen Joey Lucchese perform well. We've seen Peterson kind of take uh, at least a front runner's spot into a, into a rotation spot, uh, you know, front runner into the rotation uh, scenario. Uh, oh, shit. Go ahead and back that up. We've seen Lucchese do well. We've seen David Peterson kind of take a front runner role um, as the rotation shakes out. You know, you have, again, plenty of options. Oswald is coming right along. Um, we're speaking with someone on Wednesday regarding his progress. You'd love to kind of see him add a couple of ticks to his fastball. Looks like he actually added about a mile an hour on average to his fourth senior last season. Um, asked him a little bit about his changeup after the game yesterday because it looked really crisp. And his numbers say that his sliders is number two in the majors. But through his, through his minor league career, uh, he was pretty um, adamant that, you know, his changeup really is his number two. He has a lot of confidence in it. And, you know, you saw him dropping it. And that, that horizontal, uh, the vertical drop on it is just, uh, it's really, it's, it's major league quality stuff and and with pitch we're gonna have something coming out for the apple on it shortly because they got digging and it's really uh quite interesting but you know he could certainly be an asset he could certainly be a um a valuable tool to to rojas and the, the rest of the mets pitching staff but again it's a bit surprising considering the i guess the 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 depth that rojas would have on on hand in having Yamamoto in this group as well. I'm going to talk about him just for a second because it kind of leads into everything else. Um, assuming that this is the group that Rojas sticks with, with Peterson and Lucchese on the back end, yeah, of course, it leaves Yamamoto kind of outside looking in. But assuming that's how things are going to shake out might be a bit premature. I talked about this a bit for the Apple on Thursday morning. Um, you know, Peterson and Lucchese would be in the mix. They earn their shot to be there and they deserve their shot to be there. Rojas has talked a bunch of times this spring about the possibility the Mets use an opener. Um, 
<laughs> At least he hasn't ruled it out yet. But that, you know, Lucchese talked about it on Wednesday after his start that he'd be open to um, being used in that capacity. And it certainly bodes well um, for him specifically. I took a little dive into his numbers briefly. Uh, yeah, so, so he's been in the major since 2018. Uh, his stats the first time through the batting order, uh, 3.50 ERA, 235, 295, 401 slash against. That's going to play second time through the order. It's just as efficient. 3.56 ERA, 2.33, uh, excuse me, 3.56 ERA, 233, 288, 406 slash against. Um, again, the, these are quality sufficient numbers. His third time through the batting order, those numbers jump up considerably. It's 7.58 ERA, 312, 395, 548 slash against. Um, you know, hitters as wacky and funky and deceptive as Lucchese's delivery is and as deceptive as his stuff is, you give major league hitters three chances to kind of get their timing down and, and they will. Um, he, he's almost tailor-made for that type of role if Rojas chooses to employ it. And it could also kind of alleviate pressure on the rest of the staff. You know, Seth Lugo, um, <laughs> who I should note, uh, vociferous opponent of the opener. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you'd have to doubt that he'll be in that role. He's just too valuable towards the back end of the pen. But without Lugo in the mix uh, for a while with the bone spur surgery, without Patances or Familia uh, pitching up to their I don't want to say capabilities, but our hopeful, their hopeful capabilities, um, you know, they're just really not there. We'll talk about them in a second. Again, having an opener can kind of um, lead the way to everyone kind of staying fresh and healthy and, and relieving stress on certain more vulnerable areas of the bullpen or of the pitching staff as a whole. So, you know, ideally an opener would take the Mets through two or three innings, let's say three. Um, a starter or a long man would bring them into the seventh or the eighth. And in that spot, you can use a Yamamoto. You can use a Robert Kazelman, Sean Reed Foley, Yenzi Diaz, Jared Eikhoff. You have so many different options there. Um, and again, you kind of mix and match. And with the depth they've built, the Mets are kind of built for any different matchup. It's um, It really is quite a luxury, but <clears throat> excuse me. So you have your, your opener, your middle guy, and then, by the seventh or eighth inning between Trevor May, Miguel Castro and Edwin Diaz, you know, you're carrying a, a W home. And um, that, you know, that's certainly one way to get you over the hump until Carrasco and Syndergaard and Lugo return until, you know, you have guys like Batances who, who, who hasn't really even touched 91, 92 this spring um, with his fastball and, and you know, I'll talk about it for a second. He faced the Cardinals on Wednesday and it was, it was, you know, the meaty part of their batting order. He faced uh, top prospect Dylan Carlson, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado and Matt Carpenter got Carlson to pop up, got Goldschmidt to ground out. It looked like he had, he wanted absolutely nothing to do with Nolan Arenado, but, uh, walked him and then again more weak contact from carpenter and this is you know this is the meat and potatoes of st louis's lineup i'm not saying that i would trust Batances in the eighth inning in a tie game facing those guys but if he can be effective and if he can get hitters of that caliber out you know he can serve a purpose is it ideal to spend six million dollars on a guy like Batances 
or 11 million on Familia who walks everybody. And Familia's stuff is still there, but you know, it, it's a, it's a misuse of funds when you're, um, you're spending $17 million on a couple of guys that you really can't, they can't be leaned on or they can't be trusted in big spots or at least not right now. And of course that's from an outside perspective, but um, you, you can hope for their resurgence, but at least on Batanza's end, it, it's not looking great. I do, you know, his off-speed stuff has always been plus plus. So he could theoretically fall back on it, but you know, it, it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. Um, you kind of have to wonder if he's even got a roster spot carved out for himself, but, but we'll see on that front. Cause again, if he can get up to 93 and that, mid eighties knuckle curve is still biting like it was on Wednesday. That's, a, um, you know, it's, it's a weapon and I can't stress this enough. No, he's not my seventh or eighth inning guy in a tight game, but you know, when needed, sure. Yes. That if you can get out, the Mets can, the Mets can use you. Um, but you know, the, going back to the opener, the Mets kind of have the opportunity to stretch out their, their pitching staff. Um, you know, playing a, a full 162-game schedule after a 60-game uh, season in 2020, you know, it could be hazardous to, to the Mets pitching staff, to any pitching staff. Keeping everybody fresh has to kind of be paramount. Um, the Mets still have roster spots to kind of divvy up as we were just getting at. Jose Martinez with the torn meniscus, he's going to the 60-day IL. Uh, 60-day IL. Uh, Drew Smith, reliever, who um, went down with a shoulder injury earlier in the week, uh, initially, it was reported as minor. They were hoping to have him back soon. That's looking like it could be a little more serious. Um, I don't have details on that. My apologies. But, uh, you know, you, you, you still have spots to be filled. Um, again, there, there might be some guys that we think are shoe-ins for the roster that maybe not, might not make the cut. But, you know, a guy like Yamamoto, who – you know, if used correctly, and that goes for everyone, that goes for Lucchese, that goes for Yamamoto. Um, if the Mets coaching staff kind of employs this depth in the most effective way possible, one, there's room for everyone to contribute. And, and two, um, you can really utilize AAA Syracuse being a hop, skip and a jump away. And that taxi squad will really be a taxi squad. And you can, you can kind of, um, you know, take that to the bank. You know, the Mets really, like we said, they went out and they tried very, very hard to uh, to make this a depth-laden, uh, reinforced roster. And, and, you know, mission accomplished. They, they've done that. We talked last week about the offense, uh, last episode about the offense and and how well they've, they've kind of put that together. Um, you know, there's – the expectations are high enough and the talent. I think the general consensus is that this team does have the talent to succeed um it all comes down to consistency and 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 and, you know (laughs) speaking of consistency uh Mets Hall of Famer Cooperstown and Shriney Mike Piazza he was in camp this week uh acting as a special instructor he spoke to the Mets media corps on uh early in the week Monday or Tuesday and it was um you know it's 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 nice to hear someone who's been there and who who has seen the, the hype and lived up to the hype in the same regard, um, kind of give his blessing to this group. And that, that's, you know, it, you can find the clips of it on YouTube. And I think it's also on the Mets uh, Twitter page, but 
you know, this, what Mike Piazza said holds a lot of water um, for say for fans of a certain age. You know, Tom Seaver was their link between the Mets and baseball immortality. Uh, for others such as myself, Mike Piazza is kind of that that guy. Uh, for today's fans, and it's Jacob Degrom, and and you know he's well on his way to being that guy. Uh, by the way, Jay Jaffe talked about that recently. A- outstanding article, friend of the pod, Jay Jaffe, by the way. But uh, yeah, really, got to go check that out. It's on Fangraphs. But you know, Degrom said it a bunch of times during his career that you can only control what you can control, and Piazza kind of said that same thing this week. Um, you know, concerning ourselves with what's outside of our respective realms of control. It, it, it can be counterproductive to what we're trying to get done. And as someone who's been their war, their worst own, own uh, their own worst enemy in the past, it's, um, you know, it, it, that's what you just hate to see is, is someone shooting themselves in the foot. And, you know, if you think too much, it, that can happen. And that's pretty much what Piazza said. I'm going to quote him here. He said, I think just doing your part and worrying about the things that are under your control with regards to, um, to, to living up to expectations. He said, I think we just try to get, I see, excuse me. I think we try to get too wrapped up. Sometimes life sometimes has a way of getting very complicated. We start to complicate things, think too much, just go through so many scenarios and not just go out that day, be a hundred percent healthy and hit four balls hard and catch the balls you're supposed to catch. That to me has always been advantageous. Just do your job, Basically, do your job and do the things that you have control over. And, you know, we, we we all know that well ourselves just from everyday walks of life. We've heard Pete Alonzo talking about going out and just doing his job. We've heard every ball player since the time we're born, since time we started watching baseball, talk about uh, just going out and doing your job. It's one of those great cliches of this game. But, you know, Pete Alonzo, who's talked so much about keeping things consistent, uh, we talked a little bit about his – exploits this spring in the last episode but you know with regards to his consistency consistency with regards to the 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 roster itself and and the depth all the way through and and the consistency on that level um you know and and it even spills over into other sides of the uh, other facets of the roster um we were just talking about the bullpen if jerry's familiar is still walking guys at the alarming rates he has been come April, you know, Miguel Castro is going to be taking his high leverage spots and, and, you know, from an effectiveness standpoint, outstanding. Great. Um, JD Davis, right. <laughs> I know Luis Rojas mentioned on Wednesday, talked about Luis Guillorme's numbers against the, uh, the nationals probable opening day starter, Max Scherzer. It's a very small sample size, three for six, two doubles, but, um, you know, the Mets have kind of set themselves up with this depth to be with the versatility to kind of match themselves up in, in any scenario. And, you know, when you go back and, and think about, you know, the Mets being able to employ uh, to, to play J.D. Uh, Davis or Lee, Luis Guillorme or Jeff McNeil or, or Jonathan VR even at, at a position, you know, everyone kind of has each other's backs. Everyone's good enough to kind of pick up the slack for anybody else, whether it's injuries, whether it's slumps, it, it's all kind of, you know, it's all inevitable over the course of a season. Um, but having the capable depth behind your quote unquote lead guys 
uh, I know it's tough to call familiar lead guy, but, but you know, having the depth behind them for those just in case scenarios, it's, it's, you know, as Mike Piazza said, it's advantageous. And that was of course with in a different context, but it's still, it makes sense because we've seen shit happen. We've seen it in the last 48 hours. Tatis got hurt. Thankfully it's not so, um, not serious. I believe it was just a, a, a hip or a shoulder or something, but I, he, he wanted to get back in the lineup the next day. The Padres were playing it safe. Eloy Jimenez from the White Sox tore his pectoral muscle on Wednesday. He's out for six months. Like, you know, shit happens. It, it, it just, it's going to happen over, over the course of the season. I'll say it again. It's just inevitable. Um, and in the Mets case, you know, that like-minded depth with the ability to kind of step in and get the job done without missing a beat. It's, um, it's a luxury and it's going to be uh, more valuable. than I think any of us can really anticipate right now. Um, and Piazza talked about that. He probably talked about the, 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 the cohesion and the team mentality and the, the having of each other's backs. And, you know, we've kind of seen it play out already this spring. It, um, we talked about Yorme's long plate appearance earlier in the spring when everyone was all fired up. Uh, Francisco Lindor, uh, this is Tuesday or Wednesday. He's, you know, greeting guys as they're coming off the field. Um, you know, it's spring training. He's fired up like it's, you know, the middle of August and they're in a pennant race. It's just, it's just, you know, these are the types of things you like to see. This is the, uh, the, the cohesion and team mentality that, that, you know, special, <laughs> Special things are kind of born from situations like this. Uh, you know, even after, I think it was the Marlins lefty, uh, Daniel Castano, he hit Conforto and McNeil uh, in Tuesday's game. Yeah, that was Tuesday. He hit them both. This is the seventh time that McNeil's been hit this spring. You know, you hear, you hear the whole dugout barking. Like, is it an ideal situation? No, of course not, because you don't want to see your starter get hit with a pitch ever, especially not in a meaningless game. But, you know, is it cool that everyone's kind of pulling in the same direction, all fired up for the same reason? Yeah, you goddamn right it is, man. This is, um, you know, this is, I think it kind of speaks to Luis Rojas's leadership qualities. Uh, I know a couple of writers, uh, Puma, I believe, uh, from the Post, he talked about it on Thursday. Just, you know, the his his room for growth, Rojas, of course, uh, and the experience that he's gained in these, like, just the last wild, you know, it's, what, been 13 months since he's been hired? It feels like it's been half a decade. Like, it's, uh, you know, these experiences, every single one of them, it's going to be good for him in the long run. And, you know, it's going to be um, – it's just so cool to see the team come together. And I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up with Piazza's quote, because, you know, I think this kind of embodies what you want to see in a clubhouse and the message that's kind of coming out And here. I'm going to quote him again. My message is to just play for each other, have each other's backs, pick each other up. You have to have a united front. You have to have one heartbeat on a team. You can achieve a lot personally in this game, but I think the biggest, the most rewarding achievements are when you achieve something as a team. Like that's just, you know, that fires me the fuck up. I hate to curse. I, I don't hate to curse. I love to curse. But, you know, there's better ways to express myself. But it does. It fires me the fuck up. Um, you know, it, this is this is what the week before opening day is all about. It's, you know, everyone hopes brings eternal this time of year. It's just how it is. This year, you can feel something special brewing. I, you know, you guys know me. I'm an optimist by nature. 
I don't care what you think. This is something incredible is happening this year. You could feel it happening. And, you know, for all I know, it could have just absolutely hit the fan by May. But um, it just doesn't feel like that's happening. It really doesn't. It feels like that they're, you know, and this is just the beginning, the whole Cohen era, you know, doing things right um, is still new to this organization. And uh, if they can get this much done over the course of the winter and have this much momentum going into the first season under new direction, uh, Tim Healy from Newsday reported on Thursday that the team is, I'm going to quote, is willing to spend huge. Uh, I shouldn't quote that. I don't have it in front of me. I'll paraphrase it. They're willing to spend huge. That was the, uh, that was the main gist of his article. Go ahead and read that. You guys should probably subscribe to Tim too. Between him and Toscano and Britton, Disha, uh, Mike Puma. Um, shout out to, to, to Bradford, um, uh, uh, Bradford William Davis over at, the, uh, over at the Daily News as well. Boy, I could really go on forever. We have such a great group of writers here. But guys, like, keep, um, you know, if you kind of take the temperature – of, of the fans on social media, of the the stories coming from the beat writers, just the whole vibe, like something special is happening. You can feel it. I could feel it. Um, yeah, it's exciting. Guys, we are jumping into the first segment of our hobby series. Um, got a fun guest coming in. My buddy Ben Smith from Midwest Box Breaks is coming to talk. Uh, just a, a brief stop in. He's going to kind of give us a, an idea of what goes into his day to day between, you know, card breaks, between the the good vibes, just kind of going through the hobby right now, the excitement of a kind of reinvigorated hobby. Again, Ben's got his finger on the pulse of all these things. So uh, excited to talk to him. And um, yeah, hang tight. We're going to go ahead and hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, continuing with our hobby theme, we're going to try and make this a regular series. Uh, we have one of the more prominent breakers at least on, on Twitter, on in the in the hobby scene and uh, just a generally overall positive uh, influence on the hobby itself. My buddy Ben Smith from Midwest, uh, Midwest Box Breaks. Excuse me. What's happening, man? Hey, what's going on? Not too much. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, we're trying to, I guess we're, we're starting our little series here. Um, the, uh, the sports card hobby in particular, the baseball card hobby is really, uh, it's, uh, it's seeing a bit of a Renaissance and, um, you know, we're talking to some of the more prominent voices and, uh, you know, you've built quite the community out there between the breaks and the sales thread and the discord groups. So, uh, yeah, I guess kind of just wanted to pick your brain and and uh, see how see what's cooking over in the hobby world. Hey, sounds good. So, I, as far as like, I guess uh, the breaks, you guys are, are going strong. You do them a few nights a week. Um, you have the sales thread going two days a week. That's with Phil's polls. Uh, Phil Hughes, for listeners who aren't familiar, uh, the former Yankees, Twins, and Padres pitcher is very big into the card world. Uh, you have a new verified uh, verified seller Discord group, which I think is very cool, which I want to learn more about because I'm a little older and I don't really get into Discord, but uh, it sounds like a very cool prospect. So give me a quick rundown. What do you – Um, I guess what's – uh. Give me a run through what, what, what your, I guess, world entails. So, um, you know, Twitter is where we do most of our damage. Uh, I've got Facebook and Instagram, but for whatever reason, I'm just not great at it. And 
you know, everybody I follow, like Gary V and people like that, just say to, you know, focus and double, triple down on what you're good at. So, I mean, that's kind of where the Twitter sales thread came in. Um, we run that on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Um, pretty, uh, pretty nice uh, structure and, and rules set in place, and it it uh, it kicks butt. It rocks. But um, I want to take that a step further because when I first got into breaks and uh, was a break customer myself, I realized that you know there really wasn't anybody out there to try to help you sell cards you didn't want. So that's kind of where the sales thread came, and then uh, you know our original Discord which we call break club. And that was basically break customers and friends from our, our little uh, social media circle and whatnot. And then um, I came up with the idea of what about a discord just for selling? And, you know, it's, it's actually a, um, a proud moment for the hobby that we've got so many people we trust and that I could vouch for that. Uh, we gave a bunch of guys their own little selling room in a separate discord. We made it an open invite. We post repost the link every day and we're up to 60 sellers, and they're all guys that I've known from my group, from my breaks that I've interacted with. Some of them I know in person, in real life. And um, I think in the first month, we've done $63,000 worth of sales in the room. And uh, that's money that stays in their pockets, and they don't have to worry about eBay craziness and fees and all the other garbage. And uh, that's money that gets recycled back into the hobby ecosystem, so to speak. But uh, it's got 1,400 members. And um, it, it's awesome that I know that many people that I'm willing to vouch our brand and our reputation on that, you know, they're going to do the right thing in the hobby. So it's, it's pretty awesome. We're really proud of that. That's incredible. I mean, just to have, I mean, just, I mean, as a, as a buyer seller myself, um, it's not necessarily the wild west. You do have some sort of, uh, you know, a vouch system or just a familiarity, a familiar, I guess, being familiar with who you're dealing with, but, you know, having that additional, that additional backing, that additional vouch from a, you know, a credible source like over at Midwest. And, and you know, that's, um, it's very helpful. Certainly, uh, you know, just between the sales threads on Twitter, I mean, you see just, you know, the uh, almost the lifeblood of the hobby and it's, it's very cool. You see your random acts of kindness. I know you guys do a, a common donations and they go out to, to just kids who want baseball cards, who, who might not have the means to, to go out and get their own. And it's, uh, you know, th there's so many bright spots and um, really just taking a look through the thread, taking a look on your, on your feed, watching a break one night, you, you just, you know, you could see it. You could see the, I guess the, uh, the random acts of kindness they're, they're kind of almost everywhere. So like, what has it been like for you to kind of see all of this come together? You know what? It's, it's been, crazy it's been special uh, i keep all the thank you notes that uh, are sent to me with mail days and i'm a big yankee fan so i get people that you know hey i've got these mattingly cards i thought you might enjoy them and again thank you notes going into detail and especially during the pandemic how we've helped people and kind of provided them a safe space and a, an escape to kind of just enjoy the hobby and that's really you know you're not going to see us on instagram waving a bunch of slabs of PSA tens and stacks of money and all that craziness. That's great for those people that uh, get excited about that, but we're really about um, the people in the group and their collections, their personal collections and uh, their kids that collect with them and things like that. And um, we really like to stress that it's more than just uh, the card. So really a, a nice family community and, and uh, not necessarily out for the bottom dollar, like a lot of groups you see out there. 
Yeah, it, it is. It, it's refreshing. And, um, you know, when, when there is a, I guess, a bad apple in the group and everyone's kind of quick to say, hey, let's, you know, this is a bad, this, this might not be a great person to deal with. And, you know, everyone's kind of got each other's backs. It's just really cool to see. Um, I was going to ask what your PC is, but you, you, you said you're a Yankee fan. And, yeah. um, you know, this is a Mets podcast, but personally, hey, I grew up with family members, best friends as Yankee fans. It's, uh, you know, we're all one and the same. It's, it's no big deal to me, but um, are you a junk wax era? I guess a product of the junk wax era. Yeah, I got in um, early, like 83, 84, uh, stuff like that. Um, that's kind of where I got in. And then, um, you know, I really hit it heavy come 88, 89 tops, uh, put those sets together, you know, by hand and uh, um, sent my list out, traded with my buddies. I put a lot of work into a set that, you know, wouldn't have a whole lot of value today. Um, I got out uh, early 90s, came back in off and on, you know, through the years, but uh, was pretty much out until, you know, maybe three and a half, four years ago. And so much had changed. I think that's kind of why I'm always leaning towards helping new people or guys that are coming back, you know, like me after a long time away and just kind of helping that learning curve and um, keeping some training wheels on for them as they kind of get started. Because it's it's really crazy and easy to uh, to get lost in everything that's going on. So and outside of the technology, just normal collecting, so much has changed. So, Oh, sure. I mean, going out and finding retail is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just really a struggle. And, um, you know, that's why the brakes are so cool because, you know, it, you, you can, you can get a taste of it and, and you can kind of scratch that itch without going out and paying double, triple, or, you know, whatever you're paying for boxes right now. And, um, you know, you can kind of focus on it. There's pick your team breaks. There's random breaks. If you're into that sort of thing, it's, you know, it's just, it's kind of good for everyone. You have thoughts on today's market. I guess, you know, everything's blowing up between now the, the NFTs and top shots and, you know, good old fashioned wax, you know, there's uh exciting things happening. You think it only goes up from here. You know, uh, every time you think it's going to level off and, and maybe burst and correct a little bit. Um, something new adds another fold to it that that makes it blow up a little bit. And and I think my message to people that are just now getting back in is just kind of do your homework and pace yourselves. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing and and start out with doing what makes you happy. And if your goal is purely to get in it and make money, um, I guess uh, kind of protect yourself a little bit. And again, even more so. Uh, do your homework. I think you'll enjoy it a lot less, if at all, if that's really what you're after. But um, I would start with collecting what you like and kind of see what goes from there and and also stick and maintain a budget. And as you buy, have um, set yourself up for, for ways to sell too and, and kind of keep that cycle going. If not, in 30 days, you're going to see a big bill. That, God forbid you're putting it on a credit card. But um, you just want to you just want to keep your head on straight and and not get too caught up in what everybody else is doing. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is, um, is doing what makes, you know, collect the way that it makes you happy, the way that you kind of get fulfillment and satisfaction out of it. Um, you know, we all have our PCs, we all have our, our little rookie boxes or whatever, what have you. And, um, you know, I, I collect freaking tops, future stars. I have tops, future stars from every year and everyone has their own thing, but you know, this is, um, it's just like any other vice, you know, you, if you get caught up in it, it, it's, it's a slippery slope, 
Sure. Uh, like, like you were saying, you know, keep yourself in a budget, you know, make set yourself guidelines. It's just like any other, you know, way of having fun. And if you do want to go out and make money, like, you know, it, it's no one's going to go out and get rich selling baseball cards. Yeah. You might really hit a, hit a, hit a great card and, and make a very nice chunk of change, but that's um, the odds of that happening are very slim. You know, people are going to go out and try to, you know, play their entrepreneurial hand and, you know, it, it doesn't always work out, but like you said, do your homework, play it safe and uh, just, just have fun. I think that's the, uh, the general gist of this. And that's why we've been doing it since we were, you know, preteens. It's <laughs> that's why we came back to it so many years later. I'm in the same boat as you, like, uh, you know, I'm 37. So I probably stopped collecting in the mid nineties, came back around in, I don't know, 2016, 2017. And, you know, it's um the nostalgia part. It's just, it's, you know, there's nothing like it. Yeah. I, I think, I think you need to value the friendships you make along the way, because when it comes down to it, those are going to be, you know, more valuable, especially, you know, when things correct or, you know, you have an off day, but, um, you know, just going down to buy a box of cards and seeing what you pull. And I think if you expect to cash out every time you buy a pack or a box, uh, uh, you'll find yourself disappointed. So you want to make sure, you know, as you grow your network and your friendships and relationships that, you know, Hey, I pulled this big card for the reds. I don't care about the reds, but I've got a guy that is a reds collector and, you know, he's got some Yankees I want or, or whatever. And, um, don't be afraid to build those bridges in the hobby and it makes the experience way more enjoyable. I promise. It does. The fulfillment part is just, uh, it's unrivaled, but Ben, I, I know you're a busy guy. You have breaks coming up tonight, by the way. So I will be watching those on YouTube. Um, where can everybody find you on social media, uh, YouTube channel, whatever, whatever, what have you. All right. So the YouTube channel is just Midwest box breaks and you should be able to find it pretty easy. Uh, we've been ripping for almost three years now. Uh, Twitter at Midwest box break. Uh, there wasn't enough characters for the S on the end, but um, anybody that goes to MidwestBoxBreaks.com, the secure website, um, you can enter MBB10, MBB10, and save 10% off your first order. Um, all cards ship all the time without question. Um, and new people that get in get extra stuff thrown into their first mail day. If they get into a break where they completely strike out, um, I'm still going to send them something. So it's really about putting cards in people's hands. So um, I encourage everybody to reach out to me. I try to answer every DM I get, which is crazy, but um, you know, you want to join the discord, hit me up and we're, we're totally open and available to anybody in the hobby. And we definitely want to help new and returning collectors. So. So cool. And I can vouch for that because I had the Mariners in a break. I struck out and uh, in my, in my bag, which I wasn't even expecting to get one. I had a numbered Ichiro come in and that was just uh, very pleasant. And again, just speaks to the, uh, the type of environment that you guys built over there. But Ben, thank you so much again for coming on. I hope we can do it again during the season. And, uh, you know, don't tell anybody, but I'll be rooting for your Yankees. I swear. I appreciate it. Thank you. 